couple important topics, one of them being with all of the new fancy tight ends in Stillwater, Oklahoma, and the fictitious thing called Cowboy Back no longer being a focal part of the offense, how confident should Oklahoma State fans be in the tight end position this coming season? But more importantly, you want to know how I think we can stop a lot of these spineless, mumbling cowards from entering our children's schools and causing problems? It's actually way more simplistic than you might think. You are Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily podcast on the Oklahoma State Cowboys. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Howdy, y'all, and hello, all. Welcome back to Locked On Oklahoma State, your daily stop for all things cowboy and cowgirl related. My name is Cody Stovall. I want to thank you kindly for stopping by to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. We're available on all of your podcasting platforms as well as YouTube. You can find me on Twitter at All Day O State. Okay, so um, I'm not entirely done with all of my tight end breakdowns, but it's what people have been mostly asking for. So I figured I'd give a little, little piece of it at least here. But real quick, yes, sports show. Yes, Cody's going to stay in his own lane. But when I see stuff, I can tell you, fighting, disability, VA, all that stuff, it takes like an act of Congress for any of that stuff to, to really, I don't know, Make it worthwhile, right? It's it's ridiculous, the, the process that it is. But what isn't ridiculous is knowing that we have millions upon millions of, quote-unquote, um, unemployed veterans all across this country who would gladly sit in front of your child's school and protect the daggone thing with their life. Again, and I say gladly. It is amazing to know that we can spend trillions of dollars on the most ridiculous stuff that has little to no bearing in our daily lives or our kids' lives or our kids' kids' lives. Yet we take something like, like homeless veterans or, or, or disabled veterans or unemployed veterans and we, we throw a lot of condolences, I guess you could say. We, we throw a lot of admiration. But... I can tell you, whenever you go, I don't know, from feeling, feeling like you're doing something of value to fighting the same people who were partially responsible for your paychecks and, and your livelihood while you were doing that awesome thing, it's such, it's such a uh, depressing thing to, to fight after you've already been fighting. So if you're accustomed to fighting... Instead of getting bogged down in the fight to get your own money, to get your own insurance, to get your own X, Y, and Z, would you not rather take minimum wage to sit there and defend the school? I know the answer to that question is 100% unequivocally yes. So maybe this is, I don't know, not viewed as a novelty idea and something that's kicked around because, again, I, I, I know for 100% certainty that it would make life less stressful for everybody. Anyways, 
figured I'd just throw that out there. That's I'm pr- pretty, pretty heated today when you see stuff like this, man, because it, I just, I know how unnecessary it is. But anywho, let's get into the tight end stuff, y'all. Okay. And if you noticed in the offseason, Oklahoma State did do a pretty, pretty good job of acquiring some tight ends, which is precisely what we needed. But we also saw that we didn't make any adjustments in coaching, which, you know, you're right to question. And here's my reservation with getting overly excited about the tight ends. Am I excited about the position? Yes. Do I think that it's going to help our offense leaps and bounds? Yes, I do. But not so much necessarily from the passing game. Well, why is that? I don't know. Maybe because we kept the same coach that we've had here since 2014, who's the same coach that was an offensive lineman, who coached offensive linemen, and then... Ta-da! We brought him in to coach tight ends. So if you're hearing some of the reports that the tight end position isn't exactly exploding off the page, that's accurate. But at first, you know, when you hear that, it's hard not to be disappointed. I get that. But if our quote-unquote tight ends coach has done nothing his entire life but O-line, 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 and he's been at Oklahoma State, since 2014 now to coach tight ends and it hasn't worked because he's a pseudo what offensive line coach is this tight end group going to be productive in the passing game it's possible right i do think from an offensive standpoint if you go back and look again some of the blake jarwin some of the brandon pettigrews we had a system in place that would allow us to use some tight ends and he's bringing some of that back. So these guys are going to be an integral part in the passing game. We hope, but here's again, why I just, it's hard to get super pumped about the passing game side for the tight ends because they've been asked for years to be an extra offensive lineman because that's what our coach knew how to coach. And now we've got these dudes who are used to playing tight end, both blocking and catching passes It's going to take some time to get these guys, quote-unquote, rolling because they're learning from a dude who probably couldn't catch a cold. Can he teach you how to pancake? Ah, probably so. Can he teach you how to seal an edge? I hope so. Can Can he help you with catching passes? Um, If you look historically in his career, the answer is no. So it's just, it's so hard to be insanely excited about the tight ends' catching capabilities when they're being coached by the same dude who may or may not be able to catch a cold. So they're going to block pretty good, at least we hope. They're going to seal the edge. I definitely believe all of that, but the exploiting the seams, drag routes, crossing routes, things of that nature, I don't know if I should get too high on that hog, y'all. That's all I'm saying for now. But we do have a good surprise from the tight end room in the scrimmage that we hadn't had the opportunity to cover quite yet. But you guys do know that the entire time that we've been rocking and rolling here, I've always been a big fan of Built Bar. And if you've been rocking with the March Madness bracket for Built Bar, you're, you're probably uh, you're probably having a lot of fun with it. And that's all you can do with your bracket at this point in time because everybody's brackets are all over the place. 
But, you know, the bracket challenge is here. Uh, go to BuiltMarchMadness.com to vote for all of your favorites. I was riding high with Oral Roberts University because they're from Oklahoma. So that was going to be my team to go along with my favorite Built Bar or Built Puff, uh, which to me is cookies and cream, right? But ORU's out of the thing. Cookies and cream is not. Now we're, I'm, I'm a big San Diego State fan, I guess, especially with the knowledge that Utah has no business being in the Big 12, right? They want to whine and cry and complain and shove their nose so far in the air that they can pretend to sniff the stratosphere. Okay, fine. Stay there. Stay in the dying Pac-12. That's fine. We'll take San Diego State. So you're like me. You like San Diego State. Uh, and you're a big fan of cookies and cream. Let's keep rocking this thing together. And when you vote for your favorite built bar or puff, you'll be entered into a drawing where 50 lucky lock-on listeners will get a free box of built bar. Not only that, but one Locked On fan will receive a full 12 months subscription to Built and have Built Bars or Puffs delivered straight to their doors. You got to try Built Bar because it is definitely the best protein bar ever because it legitimately tastes like a candy bar. It tastes amazing, but it's good for you. It's, it's, a, very, it's a very tricky thing to experience, so you need to experience it for yourself. Now, I've already told you what makes Built Bar so good. Starters, it's realistically... High in protein, low in sugar, covered in 100% real chocolate thing. That helps quite a bit as well. So do yourself a favor. Run to BuiltMarchMadness.com right now and vote for your favorite Built Bar or Built Puff and pick up a box while you're there. You can vote every single day in March. So hop in and support your pick right about now. All right, y'all. So I'm not super high on what we have going at tight end because of Coach McIndoo is still there. Like, that blows my ever-loving mind how we, we, we think it's magically going to, to work out. But, again, I know the talent of the tight end room is not bad. And, realistically, if the catching side of things becomes a little bit of a hindrance, it's okay, right? Because we have a fail-safe option, and that is Blaine Green. Blaine Green probably has the best hands on the team. Blaine Green probably had the best hands on the team last season as well, but we all know he was out for the year. So last year, coming into the season, he was going to be that cowboy back tight end option, right? And then as the season kind of progressed, we knew his injuries were going to be too big of a problem, and he wasn't going to be able to fit that bill sufficiently because of all the injuries. That's completely understandable. So we go out and we get a bunch of tight ends. I still, you heard my little rant there, I don't understand how an offensive line coach that's been here forever and hasn't produced one single solitary tight end is going to magically convert these guys into, you know, production machines for us. But if you watch the film on them, which we're going to do a full film style breakdown as well, there's a lot to be desired. And... Realistically, I, I thought Josiah Johnson was going to be somebody who could compete immediately, and he is. Um, six foot five, two hundred forty pounds, tight end from UMass. Now, is that is UMass the bee's knees of football? No, they're not. But again, he's got the ability, he's got the capability, and and the the film from what you can see, it lends itself to think that you know his production. It's going to be fine. My question here is, honestly, is he going to be okay with the, the O-line side of things? Which is why 
you know, it's kind of hard to divulge what we're going to get out of tight end. It really is. But the kid, he did a lot at UMass, right? He was a preseason, all-independent, second team, tight end. He's had big games for them, played in 12 games, started 10 times, made 24 catches. And the talent, it's not the question, right? The question is, is he going to fit with what we're asking him to do? And without being in full pads, it's really, it's kind of hard to get a good feel. And we also have Quentin Stewart. Quentin Stewart is the tight end that was recruited to play tight end uh, by Jason McAdoo. So we will see. Uh, he did catch a touchdown uh, and won the latter, latter half of the season last this last year. So, you know, there's a lot of promise there, right? 6'2", 260, again, not ideal size for a tight end. But you know who might be an ideal size for tight end is Tabry Shetron, which is the brother of the other Shetron that we know is probably going to be massively beneficial this season, and that is Taylor Shetron, his brother on the outside. Now Tabry is six foot four, two hundred forty pounds. He's more fit in that that mold, and he actually played a lot of tight end at Edmond Santa Fe in Oklahoma. And he played true tight end position. You can see the athleticism. And he's kind of late to the game here. So we knew he was going to be a little bit of a more of a developmental prospect. We were hopefully hoping that Josiah Johnson can step in immediately and be that guy. Uh, we brought in Ian Edenfield. He's another person that we think should be able to come in and battle right away. And at 6'5", darn near 280, he's more of the traditional tight end type of size that you're looking for. But again, the pass catching side of things coming out of these camps aren't necessarily the greatest unless you look at the scrimmage. And if you look at the scrimmage, somebody who really impressed there was Bryce Drummond. If that name sounds familiar, well, it might be because he's from Pasco, Oklahoma, right? That, that might be true. It also might be because his mother is the host of the Pioneer Woman on the Food Network. and. You know, he was a quarterback at Pahuska. Coach Matt Hennessy, he's a good one. I'm not just saying that because he's married to my cousin, all right? He's a really, really good coach. He was also the guy who created the Mason Fine product. Mason Fine went on to North Texas and had a, pun intended, fine career there. Um, this was the guy who threw passes to another connection we have from Pahuska in the wide receiver room and Mason Gilkey. Mason Gilkey, six foot four wide receiver out of Pahuska. And this is the guy who helped lead him down the field. Now he goes to North Texas and converts to linebacker, sees some action at linebacker. Then he comes back home to Stillwater, Oklahoma. And now he's playing tight end. So this is a lot of transition for this, this young man. And he looked really good in the scrimmage, right? He was the biggest surprise in the scrimmage, so much so that you're looking like, who is number 48, right? And, and, and then that's exactly what happened in the scrimmage. So going from the quarterback position, you know that the nuances of the game aren't going to be too much, right? You know the film study side of things, definitely not going to be too much. He understands responsibilities by individual players. He understands responsibilities on the field. So he can read a defense and understand what the responsibilities are for the safeties and the linebackers and the defensive ends at any given time. And then he's seen it from the defense perspective as well. So again, from a preparation standpoint and somebody you know is going to work their tail off, this is a really good get. 
And it's not, he's not just surprising because of his journey to Oklahoma State. It's surprising because he, out of all the tight ends, out of all the people you could have talked about coming into this season, he was the only one you weren't going to talk about. Period. Well, this is this is very true. The more the most I've heard about him from just your casual fans is about the cooking show, legitimately speaking. And seeing all the production, I mean, the dude put up almost 9,000 yards when he was at Pahuska. I uh, completed almost a, a thousand passes. It was like 800, 900, somewhere around that range. And you can't, you cannot really replace the preparation side that he automatically brings to the game. And again, he was a three, a three-star rated guy and he was rated like the number 52 pro style quarterback. And he had offers from uh, places like Purdue and Tulsa as well. So he could have played quarterback in college. When he went to North, Sex North Texas, he made the transition that he thought was best for the team. Now he's coming to Stillwater, Oklahoma to, again, do the same thing. Could he have played a multitude of positions here? Yes, he could have. But this is where he realized that he could probably make the, the most immediate impact. And it appears as though he ain't wrong. Now, I do still have a lot of faith in Josiah Johnson. I still do think that Quentin Stewart, although he's a little undersized, he has a lot of the makings to potentially be a contributor. I'm very, very, very high on Tabri Shetron. Um, I, I really honestly also know, though, we're not going to get a lot of legitimacy until all the pads are on and we can see what everybody can do in a live setting. That's just, it's just the way, way it is. It's the nature of the beast. So tune back in for the tight end video, but do not leave just yet because – if you notice, over the weekend, we got some of America's action, right? Baseball's often referred to as America's game, which is why I rocked my red, white, and blue America. It's actually a baseball shirt. Um, because I did want to cover a little bit of that, because Baylor came to town. And they didn't leave, I don't know, very, very excited to say the least. But before we do that, uh, we've, we've already kind of talked about how important Built Bar has been um, for, I don't know, just my liking and getting acquainted with some of the products that you're, you're putting out here. Well, another one that I've been very acquainted with recently, and I do love, even though my bracket is crazy, is FanDuel. It is America's number one sports betting app. And right now, FanDuel is giving new customers a no-sweat first bet. It's up to $1,000 back in bonus bets if your first bet does not win. Just go to FanDuel.com slash locked on to sign up today and claim your no sweat first bet. You can wager on literally everything from money lines, point spreads, who's going to score the next three, who's going to cut down the net and win the whole daggone thing. You already know the FanDuel app is safe, secure, and super easy to use. So do not miss your shot at this no sweat first bet. With up to $1,000 back in bonus bets, if your first bet doesn't win, when you go to FanDuel today, just go to FanDuel dot com slash locked on to sign up again that is fanduel.com slash locked on to sign up today make every moment matter more with fanduel all right y'all so baylor comes to town and i've seen this in a couple sports so i don't know if this is something that due to travel like we're going to start making more of a thing but if so i mean i'm all for it because baylor came to town for a three-game set in baseball and softball 
And as you're probably guessing by the buildup, it didn't go oh so well for Baylor. As Baylor left, leaving uh, left Stillwater, Oklahoma, with an 0-6 record. That's right. Both the baseball team swept Baylor and the softball team swept Baylor. And if you've seen uh, recently, D1 softball has your Oklahoma State Cowgirls as the number one team in the United States of America. I didn't say Oklahoma. I said Oklahoma State is the number one softball team in America. Is that an overarching way of saying, ha, 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 we're better than OU? No, OU is still the toast of the town. They're still the king of the the sport until we dethrone them. But it is nice to know that our softball team is getting love. We've been hovering around two, three, four, five all year. Like we lost a couple games, dropped down to five. So we've basically maintained that number two spot, especially after watching what OU did to UCLA, who previous held the number previously held the number two spot. If you have not had the opportunity to check out this softball team play, I promise you, you're missing out. Like it's, it's just the speed of the game is, is already a lot of fun, right? Uh, everyone says the hard part about watching baseball is it's, it's incredibly slow and yada, 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 which I mean, if you're not a big fan of baseball, I can get the, that idea. I can get the premise of the game's too slow to, to stay engaged with. You cannot say that about softball. So if that is your argument as why you don't watch Oklahoma State baseball or a lot of baseball at all, you cannot have the same argument in softball. The speed of the game is faster. Everything's a lot more condensed, so the ball arrives on players much more quickly. You're not going to see somebody hit it into the gap and, and, and make it around every single base because the throws come in a lot quicker. So, again, the speed of the game makes it a little bit more intense for your casual fan. And my kids are uh, a pretty good indication of that, right? My daughter loves watching OSU softball. She loves OSU baseball. She would rather play baseball than softball but she's not the biggest fan of watching Oklahoma State baseball or any baseball. And you know what? I kind of get it. But again, if you are trying to say that baseball's too slow, okay, fine. Check out some softball, especially Oklahoma State softball. Because the only way that you can uh, obtain the best softball in the United States of America right now is by tuning into the state of Oklahoma anyways. Whether you like to watch the Crimson and cream crapola or you're a big fan of the orange and black regardless to get your softball fix you need to get it from the state of oklahoma i just i it, it blows my mind how kenny gaieski has been able to not only build this thing pretty quickly but the maintenance side of things right in my personal opinion is the best part what he has been able to do is nothing short of amazing. And then baseball, okay, so baseball, we're about to crack into the top 15, and I think we might be finding our stride. Now, one of the things that we all knew coming into the season was our star transfer pitcher, pitcher Jerron Watts-Brown, was like the, the real deal. Pegged as like the potential number 22 overall pick in the upcoming draft. And if that's the case, and if you look at the highlights, especially from this weekend, like you you get it. You know why he is that pegged that high. But he's been bouncing all around the lineup. Usually, he's your Friday guy. And if that's what he's going to be, that's what he needs to be. If he's the best pitcher on staff and possibly the best pitcher in the conference, then why are we still monkeying around with the days he plays? 
I get that, you know, he's a warm weather guy. Okay. I get it. I get it. We've heard it all before. But he's been in Oklahoma long enough now to get that crap out of his system. If he's going to be the guy, then he needs to just suck it up, buttercup. This is the week you go on short rest, and you just buckle down and decide, I'm going to go on short rest, and I'm going to be the Friday guy. Because he pitched a gym Sunday. He continues to put up phenomenal numbers, but he's not our, our main Friday ace, and he should be. If that's what he's going to be, that's what he needs to be. It's my only complaint with baseball. Everything else, we're cruising at the right times. Uh, it was very, very disappointing to see Texas Tech lose over the weekend. I think much like a lot of you all, I prefer the little rival we have going with Texas Tech. They did get us in baseball and, and took two games out of three. So I was, I'm, I'm really hoping for them for the rest of the way. Who I'm not rooting for, rooting for is who we get next, thankfully, in the conference play, which is okay. And we have a nice little tune-up beforehand because uh, we have Dallas Baptist tomorrow. And for those of you who follow baseball, you will know that Dallas Baptist is not like um, – yeah, they're no slouch. I'll just put it that way. Dallas Baptist makes a very good living beating the big boys, the Oklahoma States and the TCUs and the Texases of the world. They do it on a yearly basis. So it's going to be a good test. It always is. And, and I'll be honest with you, the last few years, we have not fared so well in midweek games against Dallas Baptist or Oral Roberts University. So I don't know. It, this will be a good time to kind of get that DBU monkey off of our back. Because Dallas Baptist, again, is a very, 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 very quality baseball club. And everybody knows, baseball knows we cannot take them lightly. We better be prepared tomorrow. Uh, it's going to be interesting to see who we throw out there because the pitching staff, it's still not quite taking shape yet. Now the hitting, the hitting's coming around. And it doesn't look like it used to be, right? Years past, you knew that we were a bomber bust type of team. Everybody knew it. We didn't have the ability to ha play a lot of small ball. Well, we're still jacking them out of the yard and striking up the gap band on a regular basis. Don't, don't get that misconstrued. But we have more team speed than I think we have in the past. We have more guys in the lineup that we can switch in and out for right-hand versus left-hand matchups. Yeah, you're, you're, seeing, you're seeing a different side of the Cowboys most recently. And if the bats are coming along and the pitching – Starts to kind of take a little bit more of a solid shape. We've got a lot of good pitchers. But again, we're still monkeying around with, with the ace, the, the Friday, Saturday, Sunday guys. So we'll see how that goes uh, this, this week with Dallas Baptist being a very, very good tune-up for Texas. And Texas looks as advertised currently. So that'll be, a, that'll be one we need. If we're going to have the opportunity to win the regular season in the Big 12, which we should, we should win one of the two. Either we win the regular season title or we win the Big 12 postseason title. Oklahoma State University should walk away with one of those two this year. I love Texas Tech, but Texas Tech fans will even tell you they're super young. So this may not be their best year. This needs to be our year. That I can tell you. Oh, I also got to throw a little bit of congrats. Good job, K-State, in baseball. Good job, K-State, in football. And also, good job, K-State, in making it all the way to the Elite Eight in basketball. Could things have, have gone a little different in that game against FAU? Maybe. But it's that's how the bracket's been. So, it is what it is.
All right, y'all. That's all I got for this one. Um, we are going to do, a, again, a little bit more of a film-oriented breakdown on the tight end position. But I didn't want to update everybody on what we're hearing so far. Let everybody know that Mr. Drummond did have a pretty daggone good scrimmage. He stood out and made people go through the program and figure out who number 48 was if you didn't already know. So those are some of the updates we got. Uh, again, prayers out to everyone in Nashville. You heard my piece on how I think we should fix that. Let me know in the comments what you think. And, uh, yeah, until the next one. That's all we got. Thank you for tuning in to make this your first listen here on Locked On Oklahoma State. We'll be back. As always, I love you all. God bless. Go Pokes. And until the next one, all right, y'all. Later.